going to talk a little bit more about love. Last week, we started with love. Raise your hand if you are here last week. Okay, good amounts, so that means you'll know what I'm going to talk about. For those of you who weren't here, I'm going to give us a quick recap, so, so buckle up and get ready. But before we start, do we have any new visitors here today? New people, never been to Access. Never been to Access? Well, we welcome, 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 welcome. I hope that you felt that you were welcomed. Um, after service, you can come introduce yourself to me or to Kurt. I know we'd love to talk to you and get to know why you're here and what brought you here. So, welcome. So last week we talked about love. We talked about the different kinds of love. We talked about God's love, and we talked about puzzles, a puzzle, just one type of puzzle. So if I could get that picture up, that would be phenomenal. So this is the type of puzzle that we are talking about, and what the connection we made with this puzzle is that every single person in the world, doesn't matter who you are, you have a place inside of you that's designed for the love of God. And only the love of God, only the Father, only Jesus can fill that void in your heart. And the problem is, is that we don't, we talked about it last week, we don't know what love is. We don't, we haven't experienced it in the world. We get all this counterfeit love that we experience. And it's like this puzzle piece. Let's take the duck, for example. So the duck, there's only one piece that fits that duck. It's the duck. But the problem is, is that you get a little three-year-old playing with this game he doesn't get it. He can't see, you know, they doesn't see everything. So he takes, you know, the cow and tries to stick it in the duck spot. And, you know, it just doesn't fit. And he takes, you know, the little kitten and he puts it in the duck spot. And he takes the pig and he puts it in the duck spot. And none of it satisfies. You try, you try, you try, but none of it satisfies. So what happens with us is that we actually, we go through our lives and we have the spot in our heart that's made for the love of God, but we actually go to the world and we try to fill it with the stuff from the world. Relationships, money, things, friendships. We fill the spot in our heart with counterfeit love that never lasts. So we talked about what love is. We talked about agape love. And I want to go over this Definition with you again for what agape love. Agape is the love God has for the world, for humankind, for mankind. An undefeatable benevolence, an unconquerable goodwill that always seeks the highest good of the other person, no matter what he or she does. It is the self-giving love that gives freely without asking anything in return and does not consider the worth of its object. It is love by choice. And this is the love that Jesus poured out on the cross. He was on the cross and he said, I love you because I see you for your potential. I see you for your potential. I see you, no matter where you are in life, Jesus says, if you got this love, if you filled that spot in your heart, your life would be different. So this is a lot of what we talked about last week. I'm trying to give you a quick synopsis, review. So, this love that we have, you know, first, you know, we are designed by love. Second, love looks like Jesus. It's Jesus on the cross. Then lastly, the Holy Spirit, or God, reveals 
the love to you. It's not something that you can hear. It's not something that you can just know in your head. It's actually God revealing it to you through the Holy Spirit. So God reveals it to you. So next, I want to talk about is that a lot of times we determine how much God loves us by our circumstance. You know, I've heard this statement a lot. God, if you love me, then why? You don't have to raise your hand, but I mean, how many of you have said that? When I was in high school, I was playing, I uh, played sports at Granville High School. Anybody Grand Bulldogs here? Not the fake Bulldogs from Byron Center, but the real Bulldogs. <laughs> Come on. So when I was in high school, I played football and basketball, and my desire, what I wanted to do was to play college sport. I wasn't sure what I wanted to play, basketball or football, but actually, I, did want, I wanted to play football. I wanted to be a quarterback. And I was like on the right track. I was getting recruited. And then all of a sudden, my senior year, I was in the summer playing basketball. I tear my ACL. Sorry, dude, you're out for the season. Big whoop. You're like, wait, it's high school. Come on, man. But when you're in it, it's like a big deal, and you sit there, and you're like, God, why? Why'd you do it? I thought you loved me, you know? And we determine the love that God has for us by our circumstance, by what we're in. In reality, God's love was poured out on the cross 2,000 years ago. Your circumstance does not determine the love that God has for you. The de- that's the devil speaking to you. He's trying to trick you to say, you know, God doesn't even really love us. No, man, no, no. Love was poured out 2,000 years ago. It's not based on your circumstance. It's based on the fact that he gave it all to get you back. So I want to go over 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7 before we start. This is like the love chapter. If you go to any wedding, you hear this verse. It's about love because, you know, husband and wife are supposed to love each other. So they always say this verse. And I've heard it so many times, but it wasn't until recently that I really hit home to me. That love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. Come on, I can be irritable sometimes. I need more love. And it keeps no record of being wronged. Man, this love is amazing. That's that agape love. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. This is the, that's the love that I want. That's the love that God is giving to me every single day. But the only way that you can get that love, the only way that you can get it, the only way that it gets inside of you is if the Holy Spirit, if God comes in and says, here it is. Because you listening to me right now, come on, you're all listening. The only way for you to get it is is to believe that Jesus paid it all. And you'll see him on the cross and say, wow, he paid that price for me. Man, and he didn't require anything in return except for me just to believe it? Come on, that's too good to be true. It is true, though. And that truth 
That truth will set you free. That's my first point. So we're going on with love. So after we get this love that the Holy Spirit reveals to us, and I believe tonight that God is going to do a work. He's going to put a spark in our hearts and our spirits to understand what love truly is. To what love truly is so that we can actually love the world around us effectively and not with a fake love that always has that string that we talked about. Love has no strings. It's never what's in it for me. So love sets you free. Once you get this love, it sets you free. We're going to go to John 8. We're going to talk about the woman who was caught in adultery. The woman who was brought before Jesus. And the Pharisees, the religious people in the Bible, they hated Jesus because he made them look foolish. But they were like supposed to be the wisest people. So they bring this woman in front of Jesus and they say, this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. The law of Moses commands that she be stoned. If you read in John 8, it says, Jesus bent down. He says, I drew a line in the sand. Or he bent down. and He says, let the one who's never sinned cast the first stone. And it says, well, one by one, from the oldest to the youngest, they all left until it was Jesus and the woman who was caught in adultery left alone. And that's where we start here in John 8, 10 through 11. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir. She said, then, she said, then neither do I condemn you. Love sets us free, guys. This is huge. She was caught in her sin. She was caught. She was dead. The law of Moses commanded that she be stoned to death. She was caught in her sin. And Jesus says, no, you're free. Come on. That's amazing. It's just like with us. You guys, we're caught in our sin. Sin messed us up. Sin messed us all up. Before we had Jesus, before we had that love, we're messed up. We look nothing like we're supposed to. Because sin destroys us. It's all about us, us, us. But Jesus wants to make it all about him, him, him. And what Jesus does is he steps, I think this is so beautiful. In the verse it says, Jesus straightened up and he sat down next to her. It says he bent down. And that's what he does with us. We're caught in our sin, guys. We're done for. Ten times out of ten, we're done. We choose sin every time without Jesus. And he says, no. I've come to set you free. And he picks us up. And he says, I don't condemn you. I don't condemn you. You're free. And that's this love of God that's so amazing that sets us free from ourself. Because who's the, who's the worst judge of ourself? Uh, judge? Ourself. We're the biggest judge of ourselves. I'm sorry, that was, came out way wrong. I'm sorry. We judge ourselves the worst, don't we? We're our biggest critic. And Jesus says, I don't condemn you. I want you to be free. Get up. Get up, you're free. 
going on to my next verse. I'm sorry, I don't have this verse on there that I want to share. It's John 3.17. This is right after the most famous verse in the Bible, probably John 3.16. You know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Sorry if you never heard that verse. That was really fast. But in John 3.17, guys, he says, I did not come to condemn or judge the world, but I came to set them free from the bondage of sin. He did not come to condemn you. Christianity is not this, like, you're not good enough game. That's what the devil's doing. And he's labeling as a Christianity and, you, and we believe it. Come on, guys. It's, not, it's about time we start listening to the voice that's true. It says, my followers <laughs> will hear my voice. You know, there's voices everywhere. Who are you listening to? Do you even know what God's voice looks like or sounds like? His, his voice is found in the word. Do you know what it says? It says you're free. But the devil comes and he comes to pervert and twist everything that the Bible says. So he says, you know, no, dude, you're not, you're not good enough, man. Like, think about all the stuff you did. Dude, you? Come on, man. Do you remember what you just did last week? Do you remember what you did yesterday? Do you remember what you did an hour ago? Why are you sitting in church right now? Get up, stand up. You're not supposed to be here, man. That's what the devil's telling you. That's what he's telling us. And we sit here and we're like, oh, like trying to hide ourselves, trying to like puff ourselves up on the outside. Like, yeah, I'm good. But the inside, we're just like, man, we're not free. And Jesus came and he says, open up. He said, you guys, you're not hiding anything from God. Trust me. You think God doesn't see what we did an hour ago? No. He actually sees what you do, but he also sees what you think. He sits, I've heard it said this way, it's, he sits in the movie theater of our mind. He sit, I like to think of it, he's sitting in the chair, and he's looking in our minds, and everything that we think is just growing, and he sees everything. Nothing is hidden from him, guys. But it's not that, I don't say that to to say, man, you better watch what you think. I say that to say, wow, he sees everything and he still says, I set you free. Man. But he wants to change the way that we think, though. He wants to change the way that we think that we're not condemned, guys. We're not condemned to sin. We're not just a sin waiting to happen. We're not just these beings that are sinners that we can't do anything right. He came to set us free. John 8. So this is after he saves the woman, or he, yeah, he saves the woman who's caught in adultery. John 8, 31 35. If you hold my teaching, and this is he's talking to the people, that he's talking to the Jews, to the Israelites, he's talking to them. This is not to his disciples. This is to a crowd of people. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set 
free. That's worldly thinking, guys. That's worldly thinking. That's logical thinking. God is outside of logic. We're not slaves to anyone. We're God's people. But Jesus said, no, I come to set you free. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you are free indeed. That's good news, guys. That's good news. But it says he sets you free. A lot of us don't even know what we're free of, though. Do you know what you're free of? You're free from? He set you free. You read that. What are you free from, though? I don't know. See, these are the questions you need to ask yourself when you read the Bible. Because, yeah, we can, like, gung-ho, yeah, we're free, we're free. But, like, if you don't know what you're free from, you're, like, you're like a millennial without a GPS, man. Like, we have like no idea where we're going without our phones. We're like, I'm trying to go to like McDonald's. Like, where's 44th Street? We have no idea where I'm going. What are we free from? Because if you don't know you're free from, you'll still be a slave to the thing that you're already free from because you're, you don't know. Does that make sense? If you're ignorant, you'll never be free. If, not ignorant, but if you don't know, you won't be free. So what are we free from? It says we are free from sin. When Jesus picks us up, he says, here, let me just clean you off real quick. Let me take my Holy Spirit. When we call on Jesus and we believe that Jesus paid a price for us, he comes in and the Holy Spirit goes, whoosh. He says, who is that again? Oh, I see my son. He says, I see Jesus. He says, I see him on the cross. You're white as snow. You're clean. There's no sin on you. So when you receive the love of God, he says, your past is gone. That's why I said it last week. That's why you read the Bible, you read the New Testament. All it is is new creation. New, old to new. New creation. Born again. New creation. But when we get saved and we like raise our hands, we're like, if you go to like church, like, yeah. I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. When we do that, it's just like a get out of hell free card. We don't actually know what we're being saved from. We actually don't know what happens on the inside of us when we actually make that decision. He sees you and he sets you free from sin. There's a fancy term for it. If you ever go to like Bible school, you might learn it. But you don't have to go to Bible school to know it. It's Romans 4, 5. However, to the one who does not work, huh, the one who does not work, but trusts God, justifies the ungodly. Their faith is, accred- is credited as righteousness. To the one who does not work, but trusts God, who justifies the ungodly. Justifies means this. It's a fancy term. It's like a theological term that, like, most people are like, I have no idea what that means. I have a really easy way for you to remember it. 
When I was like, I mentioned last week, I used to be a teacher. I like to think of like easy ways to remember things. Usually I do like a dance with like the fourth graders, but I'm not going to do one today, unfortunately. I probably have to now since I mentioned that, but. So justifies means just as if you never sinned. That's easy to remember, isn't it? Like, does that make sense to you? Give me a nod at least. Like, does that make sense to you? Can you remember that? Justifies means just as if you never sinned. So in this verse, Romans 4, 5, it says, To the one who does not work but trusts God, who justifies the ungodly. So we were ungodly. We were sinners, man. We were, we were dead in the water. Justifies the ungodly. Their faith is accredited as righteousness. Which means that when Jesus sees us, when God looks at us, when we say, God, Jesus, thank you for saving me from my sins. I want to live for you. I want a relationship with you. I just don't want to go to heaven. I want heaven to get inside of me. That's what it's about. It's not about just going to heaven, guys. He sees us righteous. He doesn't see us for our past. He doesn't see us for the mistakes we made. He sees us as righteous, and it's a beautiful gift. It's a beautiful gift, and it requires nothing. It requires nothing from us but to simply believe. To believe. Here's another question. I like questions. What does believing actually look like? Is believing a a raised hand? Is believing a... You know, I'm all about confessing. There's a, confessing is a huge deal. But believing is a bigger deal. Because God doesn't see our actions. He sees our hearts. And believing comes from the heart. Believing means to be fully convinced. To be fully convinced. And if you're fully convinced of something... Your actions will change, won't they? If you were fully convinced that you would get in a car accident on your way home, who would drive home? I got one guy. (laughs) Nobody. So if you're fully convinced, if you truly believe that Jesus did what he did, you can truly believe that Jesus loves you, here I'm going, things are going to change. So, I'm going to go on. Next point. Point number two. Point number dos. Numero dos. Yes, I can speak a little Spanish. Love conquers sin. Can I get an amen? Got my man right here. He is just firing me up. I'm just waiting for the rest of you to get me going. Come on. Can I get a preach? Come on. Love conquers sin. I'm going to go back to that verse, the woman caught in adultery. She's sitting there. I, I left. I, some of you might have known that story, and you're like, didn't like, Jesus say something after? Like He said, neither do I condemn you. Yeah, I left it out on purpose. Don't worry. Love conquers sin. So the woman caught in adultery, Jesus picks her up, and he says, neither do I condemn you. He set her free, right? She's free. Saved from death to life. There's something really important. It's up on the screen right now. 
Oh, it's going to be. <laughs> that thing messed me up back there. It's got the double screen. Man, I got to get used to that. John 8, 11. He says, neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. Listen, guys, there's this twisted thinking in the world that we can keep on going and going in our sin, and God's just okay with it. It hurts me because I grew up in the church, and I know what it is. I lived in it. That we go in our sin, and we go in our sin, and we never deal with it. But we say, Jesus will forgive us, but we never get to the heart of the issue. And I'm not saying that you're not saved in that moment. I'm not saying that you like lose your salvation. Don't get me wrong. But I'm saying is Jesus told the woman, now leave. I set you free. Now leave your life of sin. Stop living like the world. It's important, guys. It's more than important. It's everything. Because it's your life. It's what you were made for. This love of God gets inside of you. And if it gets inside of you, you'll realize that I'm righteous. And all of a sudden, you're righteous and something unrighteous comes in. You're like, that doesn't fit anymore. That's just not even me. Because you're a new creation. Old things have passed away. New things have come. He's called us out of darkness. He's called us out of darkness. And he's called us in to light. He's called us out of the world, and he's called us into the kingdom of God. Out of the world, into the kingdom of God. Jesus preached a message. He said, behold, the kingdom of God is here. It's here, guys. Which kingdom are you living in? Are you living in the kingdom of the world? Are you living in the kingdom of God? I don't mean, I'm not, don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to condemn anyone. I'm not trying to say, dude, you're wrong. Like, you need to, like, stop what you're doing. Like, give your, I'm not trying to send this message. I'm trying to send a message that says, listen, guys, you don't have to keep doing it. Who, who can be real with themselves and say they're living in sin and they go home and they're just like, life is amazing. No. Like we can all be real, but we don't know how to change. We're afraid to change. We think we're unworthy of change. We think we're unworthy. We're not fit to the life of righteousness. We think we're unfit for it. When reality is that Jesus says, I see you as it. Start changing the way we think. Changing the way we think. Guys, it's just not, man, I used to struggle with like, am I still going to heaven? You know, like, man, this is a real question. I know most of you I talk to, I know a lot of people who are followers of Jesus, and most everyone that I know will say that in, in their life they've said, they've thought the thought, am I still saved? Is it still real? And what I think that stems from, the reason why we get in that position is because our focus is all wrong. Our focus is all wrong. 
You see, we make our Christianity about, our, about heaven. We make it all about heaven. We make it all about enduring the earth and all the crap that goes along with it. And we just endure it. And we just like truck through and life just is hard. But at least we get to go to heaven. And then we get in a place where we get in, in, the, in the moment where we're just doing life and we don't read our Bible and we, don't, we miss church and then we don't pray. And all of a sudden we wonder, God, like, am I still saved? Am I still going to heaven? And that's why I think our focus is all wrong. You see, we need to get back to the original purpose. We need to get back to the original reason is why did God do what he did? Why did God, what prompted God to send Jesus? Can, can, can we really answer that? Like, can you answer that? Why would God even save you? A lot of people don't know why that he would even do that because they see themselves and they're their biggest critic. And they say, why would God even save me? And the reality is, is he saved you. He did what he did is because he believes in you. And he says, if only you knew. I say this a lot. I'm repeating this because it's important, guys. If only you knew how much I really loved you. And I, and I can tell you right now, God is crazy about you. The only thing he wants is to be with you. The only thing above anything else. Because he knows if he's with you and if you're with him, that everything changes. So what was his purpose? Why did he do what he did? Let's go back to Adam and Eve. Let's go back to the original purpose. What did he say to them? He said, go into the world, take dominion over the world. Dominion over the earth, over the world. You know what the Bible says about the earth and about the devil? It says that the devil is the king of the world. Not the world. He has, I'm going to say this right, he, he is the ruler of the earth. He's the ruler of the earth. Some of you are like, is he like, is he, does he know what he's talking about? Yes, I just read it today. <laughs> Devils rule the earth. God says in the original, in, in Genesis, he says, to take dominion over the earth, to be fruitful and to multiply. That's our, that was their purpose, Adam and Eve. So before they ate of the fruit, he said, be fruitful and multiply. But a lot of us take that fruitful and multiply, we think that's just having kids and, and like making making babies and like growing and having a family and like, you know, that's what we think of. But in reality, what God meant was reproduce, because remember last week we talked about what we're made in his image, reproduce my image everywhere. Reproduce the spirit of God everywhere you go. Yes, it's talking about your kids. Yes, it's talking about your families, but it's talking about everywhere you go. That everywhere you go, you reproduce God's image. And that you're fruitful with your image. So that where you go, it bears much fruit. Because you're connected. Nick did an amazing job preaching about this a couple weeks ago. Because you're connected to the vine. It's not about the fruit, guys. It's about what you're connected to. Stop worrying about your fruit. Start worrying about what you're connected to. So our purpose is that. 
So if your purpose is that and you're driven by that, that you're supposed to reproduce God's image, then it's not about just heaven. It's about the earth. It's about how can I make earth look like heaven? You see, so then when, when you're sitting there and you're in, the, you're in the everyday, you're in the everyday life, I know what it's like. You're, you're busy, you're busy, you're busy, you're busy, and you don't read your Bible. And then it's not about like, man, am I really saved? It's about, man, have I been like, have I been fruitful? Totally different mindset. Because that brings you back to Jesus every time. Every time. So I want to go to Romans 6.15. Romans 6.15. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Does it mean that we can go on sinning? Of course not. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. I want to be very careful how I say this. I'm actually going to tell a story first. <laughs> it's going to be easier. So my wife and I, Abby, I'll probably talk about her every sermon. So she's like, oh my gosh, she's like, I don't know, I like this. So we just got, uh, we just leased a car, right? Chevy Cruze. Anyone drive a Chevy Cruze? I know you do because I see like 50, to- 50 of them every time I go on the road. Only one person? <laughs> Anyways, you know, it's a good, it's a good car. It's, it's like new because you, lease, you lease, lease new cars. So we're leasing this car and we're, we, play, we play beach volleyball sometimes. We're not very good, but we like to play. And so we were going to play beach volleyball, and I said, you know, let's take the new car. I want to take it on the highway, go like 75, because it's Chevy Cruze. <laughs> and she said, no, let's not take the Chevy Cruze. I was like, what are you doing? Let's take the new car. Come on. She said, no, I don't want to get it dirty. We're going to play beach volleyball. If we get in the car, it's going to get all sandy. Listen, guys, should we keep on sinning so that grace may abound? Listen, guys, we're righteous. God sees us righteous. And when we're new, I mean, just like the new car, we don't want to get it dirty. Do we? No. But what happens is this. So we took my car, right? My car's not bad. It's not bad. It's like 12 years old, but it's dirtier, you know, like, plus I'm a guy, so it's a little dirtier. So what happens is we took my car, we played beach volleyball, and you could not tell if we went to the grocery store or if we went to beach volleyball because my car is dirty. The inside's got some dirt on the floor already, so the sand didn't, you didn't even realize the sand, right? We don't even realize the dirt that's on it because it's already dirty. But if it's brand new, we realize the dirt that gets on it. So what happens is, 
is that we're new creations, but if we continue in sin and we continue and we don't deal with the things that are holding us back, what happens is we become less sensitive to it. And the things that used to bother us don't bother us anymore because it's just, it's just that old stuff, you know? It's dirty. But when Christ comes in, he makes us clean. He makes us clean and he says, man. And then all of a sudden you're clean and you realize you're clean and all of a sudden dirt comes, you're like, get that off me. Get that off me. It's not me anymore. That's the old car. So when we receive this love, when we receive this love of God that transforms us, I want to say this carefully. Change is, change is required, guys. It's required. I'm sorry. And I don't want to contradict myself because I said earlier that the only thing God requires is for you to believe. But here's the deal. If you believe, change happens. It doesn't, it's not even a, you don't have to try. Remember in Romans 5 it says, we are made righteous, not by works, but by faith. So it's not our works that make us righteous, but it's the byproduct of being righteous, of receiving that love that God, that Jesus poured out on the cross 2,000 years ago. So when Adam and Eve ate the tree, right, when they chose the world, that's what they did. They chose the world over God. They chose the flesh over God. Before that, they walked, they walked shameless. They walked before God and they had perfect communion. You guys, they had no clothes. They were naked, shameless. Shameless. They said, here I am, God. And they had no problem and God had no problem. But then they chose the world and what happened? They went like this. Like that woman who was down, condemned. And they said, I can't even be around you because sin got in. But what Jesus does is he became sin. He became sin so that we might be called righteous. He became it. So we can't choose the world, guys, because Jesus has come. Said, said in the verse earlier, the world, said in Romans 6, you are slave to whatever you choose to obey. obey. You can choose a slave to sin, which leads to death. Or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Let's choose God, guys. Let's choose him every day. But here's the deal. This is what I don't want you to feel, which is why I'm going to end with this. Well, I'm not. i got a couple more minutes. I shouldn't have said that. I know when everyone says I'm going to end with this or everyone's like, okay, let's go. Where's my purse? Like, <laughs> This is how, this is good. This is good that we're going to end, we're going to end our main the, main, the last main point. That's what I'm trying to say. The last main point is good. It's a positive note because we can't choose the world. And I know a lot of you are saying, man, I think a good question, the question that I ask myself daily is I say, God, Holy Spirit, I say reveal in me anything that is not of you. Reveal anything that I've become dull to. Expose it for what it is. Expose it, God, so that I can change the way I think about that. Because it's, 
It's a daily thing, guys. We choose God every day. We don't just choose him when we say, yeah, I'm a Christian. We choose him every single day because love, agape love, is a choice. It's not a feeling. It's a choice. Go blue. Wow, we must have a lot of Spartans here. Golly. Man. So, I want to read 1 John 2, 15 through 17, and then I'm going to move on. It says, Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, excuse me, no, a drink of water was not a smart idea. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and a pride in our achievements and possessions. That's that this. That's that fake love, that counterfeit love. It's the chicken trying to fit in the duck's spot. It's only just a craving of the flesh and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Wow. He says, do not love this world. This world is fading. It's about having an eternal perspective to say, this world is just this world. But Jesus is eternal. When you receive Jesus, you become an eternal being. It says, when you, it says, if you know the Father, you have eternal life. Remember we talked about last week? God is love. So if you know the Father, you know love, and you know that love is eternal life. This world doesn't seem so appealing when we know that we have something to look forward to, like eternal life. Here's the thing I want to say, the most important thing about that whole point about love conquers sin. Love conquers sin. Here's the deal. You cannot will yourself not to sin. You cannot wake up in the morning and say, you know what? I'm not going to sin today. I'm not going to do that sin that I do every single day. If you do that, you'll, you'll be very, very disappointed. Because you set these high expectations for yourself without allowing God to empower you. So, here's my third point. Love changes your perspective. Love changes your perspective. It changes your focus. The Holy Spirit, it's amazing. When you receive Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes in. He says he makes his home inside of you. And the Holy Spirit teaches you the things and it discerns the good things from the bad things, the Holy Spirit. So he teaches you what's good and what's not good. So it's good to wake up in the morning and say, good morning, God. Good morning, Jesus. Good morning, Holy Spirit. Because he's going to teach you. He's going to be with you wherever you go. So here's, here's, my, here's my main point. My main point from this. Our lives cannot be revolved around the avoidance of sin. But our lives need to be all about the pursuit of Jesus. I'm going to give you some amazing verses here. But before I do, I want to say this one, one more thing. Our goal is not to be sin conscious, but to be sun conscious. Our goal, I'm going to do a trick with you, okay? Just hold tight. This is the fourth grader coming out on me. 
Okay. Clear your minds. Don't think about elephants. What are you all thinking about? Don't think about the milkshakes that are in the back of the room waiting to be made. Oh, you're ready for them, aren't you? What happens is when you say you're not going to focus on something, it's actually planting a seed in your mind, and you're actually probably going to do that thing that you don't actually want to do. So instead of focusing on the avoidance of sin, we need to focus on the pursuit of Jesus. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus because the sin that so easily ensnares is all because you try to do it on your own. But if the Holy Spirit gets in, he's going to say, it says in Hebrews 4.12, it says, the word of God. So it's not about just like asking God, it's about reading the word because the word, the Bible, is the thing that tells you it's your compass. The Holy Spirit enlightens you, it's your compass. It says, the word of God is alive and active. It's alive, guys. Because Jesus is the word. Jesus is the word made flesh. And Jesus is alive, so that means the word's alive. Some of you made that connection. So, it splits. So the word of God is alive and active. It splits, dividing, joints and marrow, soul and spirit. What happens is when you read the word and the Holy Spirit comes in, it starts separating your soul from your spirit. So when the things that come in from this world, they're exposed for what they are. They're a lie. And you see it and your eyes are on Jesus and you say, oh man, that's not me. But your eyes are on Jesus and you say, Jesus, thank you that it's not me anymore. And actually the sin that you did draws you closer to the Father. Oh man. What if we all thought this way? That the sin that you do is not actually dragging you down. We don't want to continue in sin. But it's okay that if we do sin, we're not supposed to be perfect. We're supposed to pursue Jesus. So when, when we sin and we look at Jesus, he said, that's not who you are. He said, just look at me. Look at me. Because you're righteous and you say, oh man, I'm not doing that anymore. He exposes it and it's dead. Amen. And then you look at Jesus I'll say it again. You look at Jesus. And then all of a sudden, the things that used to drag you down are bringing you closer to the Father. Man, what if we live this way? What if it wasn't about the avoidance of sin? What if it was about being sun conscious instead of being sin conscious? Stop looking in your rearview mirror, guys. Stop looking back there because you can't drive when you're looking back here. You'll fall. You'll go off into the ditch. You'll keep falling and you don't know where you are. Look ahead. Look to Jesus. He's the only one that sustains you. He's the only one that keeps you from falling. And you depend on him every single day through prayer, through the word. It's like Hebrews 4.12. I'll say it again. It divides your soul and your spirit. So you're no longer this sin waiting to happen, but you're a son in pursuit of Jesus who's righteous. Amen. Man. Changes the game. What's your perspective, guys? Is your perspective on your sin, the avoidance of sin and trying to be a good person? Let me tell you what the Bible says. The Bible says there is not one who is good, not even one. Only the Father, only Jesus is good. So the good that's inside of you is only because of Jesus. So why don't we just look to him instead of trying to be a good person, instead of trying to do the right thing? Because when we look at him, everything else is taken care of. And it's not about just going to heaven. It's about what we said, being fruitful and multiplying the earth, destroying the devil, Amen. destroying 
the ruler of the earth, the devil, destroying the works of the devil. So I want to read you a verse, Matthew 6, 22 through 23. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ramble off some verses here, but they're all amazing. And they all point to the fact that your eye needs to be single. Your focus, your perspective needs to be on Jesus. Matthew 6, 22, 23. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. When your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. And this verse is talking, if you read the content, uh, the content of this verse, the context of this verse, it actually is referring to money, but I think it's, it can apply to a lot more. I think it can apply to our perspective. So I'm going to replace I with perspective. Your, uh, your perspective is like a lamp that provides light for your whole body. When your perspective is healthy, your whole body is filled with the light. But when your perspective is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. If the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. Your perspective is everything, guys. Your perspective is everything. So we need to have a single eye. Because when you have a single eye, when you look... Through a single eye, what happens is you can all close your eyes right now, close one eye, and have one open. Actually, what happens is your peripheral starts to go away. You don't have the peripheral vision, which means like the side vision. You're focused more on one thing. So to have a single eye means to have a single eye on Jesus. And when you have a single eye on Jesus, the world could be crashing, crashing on both sides of you. But guess what? Your single eye is on Jesus, and you say, wow, he's amazing because he loves me. He hasn't changed his mind about me yet, and he's never going to. Single eye. I love this verse, Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. And I say it a lot. I love all the verses in the Bible. They're all awesome. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us off. And let us run, the, run with endurance the race God has set before us. Let us Strip away the sin. But this is amazing, guys. This is the Bible. This is the Bible. And guess what? It tells, us how, it tells you how to run. It tells you how to accomplish the things. Okay, how do, I, how do I avoid the sin that so easily ensnares me? How do I do it? Keep reading. Keep reading. It says we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Look at this. This is amazing. This is amazing. The champion who initiates, who starts, initiates, that means starts, and perfects. See, Jesus isn't done with you just when you get saved, guys. He wants to perfect you. He wants to perfect himself in you every single day. And it's amazing how free you can be when you just keep your eyes on Jesus. Your problems don't seem like such big problems anymore when Christ has come. He's come, guys. Initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. You guys, he had joy going to the cross. When he thought of you, he said, wow, they're amazing. They're so worth it. He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. So we keep our eyes on Jesus to run the race with endurance, to, to strip off the sin, to get rid of the sin that so easily ensnares us, that so easily trips us up. How do we do it? 
We don't, we're not sin conscious. We're son conscious. We're Jesus conscious. Because look at, this is amazing, this verse, Hebrews, the same verse. Look at what he's focusing on. Look what, look what this is focusing on. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross. Focusing on the cross, which, you know what that means? It means he was focusing on his identity, focusing on how much God and Jesus loved him and how much it meant and how much love and how that love changed everything. We focus on Jesus' love for us. We keep our focus and our eye on that, on the fact that Jesus paid a price for you. He paid a price for you to take you out from the world and put you in the kingdom of God. He paid a price for you to live and bring heaven to earth. He paid a price for you. We need to keep our focus on that. Paul says it in 1 Corinthians 2, 2. If I resolve, this is Paul. Man, he knew what he was doing. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I know nothing, nothing. Because if I keep my eye on Jesus, if I keep my eye on him, the one who paid for my sin, the one who took me out of the darkness and brought me into the light, the one who took me from the earth and brought me in the kingdom of God, the one who saved me from myself and saved me from my worldly living, if I can keep my eye on him, everything changes. Man, I say it again, everything changes. And I know I'm repeating myself. It's on purpose. So don't think that I don't know that I'm doing that. It's on purpose because it's important. Here's the deal, though. You can't do it on your own. I said it earlier. You can't do it on your own. The Holy Spirit is the only one. And you can't do it without knowing Jesus. You can't do it without saying, man, I'm dead in my sin. I'm dead in my sin. Say, Jesus paid it all for me. He's looked at me and said, wow, he's worth it. You can't do it without Jesus, and you can't do it without the love that God has for you that needs to get inside of you. And the only way, I said it last week, I challenged you, the only way that love gets inside of you is if you go in your room, lock the door. I'm not going to say the only way. That's very extreme. But what we need to do is we need to get in our room and say, God, we need to open up the word of God and say, God, teach me. Teach me what love looks like. Teach me what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Teach me what it means to not live with the world, but to live unto God and to righteousness. Teach me. And the Holy Spirit You'll be amazed at what will happen if you have a humble heart like that and that you can stand in humility in front of God, in front of the creator of the universe and say, teach me, because he will teach you. So, let's do it, guys. Let's keep our eyes on Jesus. Let's keep our eyes on the one who paid it all because we can't go wrong. Let us run this race. Let us fight this fight on earth looking at Jesus. It's the only way to live. Can't live half in and half out, half in the world, half. You can't do it. 
It's all, it's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. So that's all I have for you, uh, but I do want to, I do want to close in prayer. So God, thank you for this time that we have to worship you. Thank you, God, that we have this time to encourage each other and to build each other up. And I pray, God, that we would keep our eyes on Jesus. I pray that we keep our eyes on the fact that he paid it all for us. God, I ask that you put a spark in every single one of these every single one of our hearts, that we would pursue you with everything we have, that we would throw away the world, we would throw away our old ways, and that we would look to you and we say, Jesus, change me, show me what it looks like. Show me what it looks like to be loved. Show me what it looks like to love. So God, put a spark in every single one of their hearts, God, that they would pursue you above all else. That they would know that they are loved by God and that he would do anything, anything to get them back. Get them, God. Get every single one of us. We want more, we want more, we want more. We're not satisfied. We go, we go, and we grow from faith to faith to faith, from glory to glory to glory. We do not stop, God. So pursue us and help us to pursue you more so that we can be hell stompers, and we can change the world around us for the kingdom of God. We love you, God. We love you, and we thank you that you loved us first. So we go out, and we say thank you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you'd like to join us live, we meet every Thursday night at 7 p.m. in the ground floor at Res Life in Granville, Michigan. Or you can watch us online at reslife.org slash live. You can also keep in touch with the Access Ministry on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at AccessRLC.